Welcome to Monster Chats, presented by Monster VoIP, where we share the tools, methods, and best practices that business leaders use to build new connections, strengthen relationships, and impact sales and organizations of all shapes and sizes. If you have any questions that come up during today's episode, please text them to 424-378-6966. Please welcome the founder of Monster VoIP, your host, Colin Mitchell. All right, on today's episode, I'm gonna be talking with Sam Cayucci. Sam and I are going to be talking about optimizing workforce in the tech space. Uh, my name is Colin Mitchell. I'm the host of Monster Chats and the founder of Monster Void. Sam founded OneHuddle, a workforce training platform using game technology to help organizations better prepare their people for work. With clients across the globe, OneHuddle has impacted people across organizations in a wide array of sectors, with clients including Novartis, Lowe's, ho- uh, Hotels, e- ESPN, Audible, an Amazon company, Madison Square Garden, and the U.S. Air Force, applying an innovative approach to preparing people for the workforce. Sam oversaw the creation of the training game platform and first game-based platform that transforms the way organizations onboard, train, and develop their team members. Sam, welcome to Monster Chats. How you doing? Great. Thanks for having me, Colin. Yeah, thanks for hopping on here. I'm really excited. Um, we actually launched a training program ourselves, and, um, and, and saw that a lot of people didn't stay engaged and then got connected with, uh, with Brian on your team. And uh, he set us up with a trial, and I've been checking it out, and, and I'm really loving it. It seems really cool. Um, I understand the value of what you guys are doing, but I really kind of want to – dig in a little bit about your story and um, you know, how you got in, you know, to this, and then we can talk about one huddle and some of the real cool, really amazing things you guys are doing over there. Sure. Yeah. My pleasure, Colin. You know, I started like any good entrepreneur. I started one huddle because I got pissed off one day and and (laughs) my, I spent my career in the sports industry, managing sales teams. I did it for a number of, you know, different sports fitness concepts, did it for pro athletes, uh, worked for Lifetime Fitness based out of, uh, opened their new health club in New Jersey and then ran franchise sales for a pretty large, large sports performance brand. Along the way, I kind of found that it was getting harder and harder to get a new hire specifically in sales, trained up and ready to go. And, you know, at a time when you think we have more education, we have more technology, Uh, this should be getting easier. So the idea kind of spun out of a a worldview of how do we take everything an employee needs to know, uh, convert it into a quick first game and deploy it in a fashion that uh, not only skills people up quickly, but is something that employees get fired up around, get excited around and compete on. And that's uh, that's how we created one of them. Wow. And when did you guys get started? So we started the company in 2015. We went, uh, moved the company to the Bay Area kind of did our jury duty of sorts, like any good tech startup, and lived in the Bay Area for about a year. We went through the 500 Startups Tech Accelerator, and uh, after about a year, we grew to about 20 brands on our platform. We, our first client was the Washington Capitals and Washington Wizards in D.C., so we targeted big sports teams. We signed Madison Square Garden. We signed the Golden State Warriors, and as we started to get some pickup. In sports, we started to realize that there was an opportunity beyond just sports. So the next few years, we came back from came back from the Bay Area, planted our feet in the ground in Newark, New Jersey, uh, just you know, 
12, 12 minutes from New York City, a city that's really fighting back and investing a heck of a lot in its community. We're a workforce platform. So I thought as a scrappy startup that's trying to create something with all the you know, cards sort of stacked against us, being, being planted in a city like Newark was really on mission. And we really kind of dug that the vibe of being a part of a city that had a lot at stake. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the next, the next few years for us was all about experimentation. So any entrepreneurs out there, you know, you, yeah, at first we thought we were going to be a tool for salespeople and that's it. And then we saw companies tell us, Hey, we, can we use you for our bartenders? And we said, sure. So we were building games on vodka and games on burgers. <laughs> and they said, Hey, can we use you at an airport for security training? I said, sure. I don't see why not. So we start, we worked with Denver airport. Then, then we had the U S air force talk to us about using us for re-entry training for veterans. Uh, so we're a very horizontal software platform. The fun part about it for us is come in and out of every industry. And I would say the big learning I've had is, you know, let our early customers, um, you know, sort of drive our growth in our product and be really good listeners. And, you know, we just, we were lucky. We just closed our series A financing at the end of 2019, which is good timing given the COVID scenario that has come upon us. Uh, so we've, uh, earn the opportunity to continue to invest in our people, invest in our business and grow. And you know, today we have over a hundred logos on one huddle that train up across dozens of different verticals. Wow. What an amazing ride it must have been so far. Um, now it sounds like what something you guys did really well was just listening to the feedback of your, your customers and a lot of just saying, yes, yeah, sure. We can do that. And then figuring out how to do it. Right. Sure. You know, when you don't have a lot of cash, like a lot of entrepreneurs that start, you're very lean. You got to take bet. You got to, you got to, you got to take some shots on some things. But one of the things I wasn't willing to take shots on was our product. You know, we, it's just too costly to screw up on a feature that you think everybody wants. And just like any good marketer will AB test messaging. You know, for us, we wanted to, iterate slowly and be really good listeners. Our customer success team does a phenomenal job every day when a customer raises a question of asking why and asking how they would see it. And it gets harder as you get bigger because you start to take on a lot more inbound feedback and point of view. But in the early days, you know, we had customers tell us, if you had this, we would pay you. And we would say, how much would you pay us? <laughs> we would we would build the product, kind of like building the ship at sea, building the product to our customer specs. It did two things. One, as a technology, we didn't screw up on really costly development. But the second thing is when your customer says they want something and then you do it, how does that customer ever quit? Mm. You know, it's their product now. So mm-hmm. for us, being really good listeners was kind of in our, in our DNA. Uh, and it was an extension of the relationships we built. Wow. And so it, the, the, the customer feedback really shaped what one huddle is today. Um, and then you guys continue to listen to that feedback. And I think it's, it must be harder as time goes on, right. To kind of validate, is this good feedback? Is this something other people want? Or is this something that only this customer wants? Right. 
yeah, you got to do a better job. You know, we, you got to do a better job making sure that like any good customer survey, if you ask somebody their opinion, they're going to give it. It doesn't mean it, that, you know, sometimes the opinion is just a response. Sometimes it's thoughtful. So definitely as you get bigger, you have to make sure that you're asking better questions mm. to make sure that you are uh, segmenting your customers into personas, which was not really something I did early on. I had a lot of people tell me, Sam, you guys are all over the place. You don't have a customer persona, mm. you know, buyer persona for marketing. And it was intimidating to me. I, I don't know who our buyer persona is. I mean, and, yes, then, and no, I had so no, many marketing people tr try to help me with it. And, you know, we just, we just focused in on, you know, it's not that we didn't have a buyer persona because there's obviously one there, but we just, we just, you know, forged forward as we got bigger, we were able to see some clear segments emerge. And now we're able to focus. There's small companies that use our product who have different challenges, different needs, different stack, different personality types There's mid market. There's large enterprise. So, that's been something, and that's something we work on every day. We're focused on constantly iterating on, mm. but the, uh, the feedback, it's really critical because if I know a large enterprise is going to not just pay us more, but be less costly to us from a service perspective, because a large enterprise is maybe a little bit more sophisticated, then their feedback, I have to weigh against that opportunity. Uh, you know, if I have a small business who has feedback i know that small you know at a lower average contract value investing in the features that they are looking for means my sales strategy has got to be more volume based right i have to be okay with executing a lot of contracts at 100 bucks a month instead of you know a hundred thousand a year mm -hmm. and those are those are the tough things to start to consider and think about once you start to you know, see clear segments emerge. Right, right. Yeah, I see it because there's such a variety of customer persona or even size that you guys are servicing. Totally. For us, we're not a, you know, we're not a employee platform for healthcare only. You know, we've decided to be very horizontal and that's tough when you're an early stage company because you know, if you only have so many marketing dollars, you can't win the marketing game in 15 different verticals. You don't have the, the war chest. Yeah. So uh, for us, we, we, we've had to be careful about where we deployed marketing dollars. We chose to invest it more in our sales force as opposed to like we don't do paid advertising. So we stayed away from SEM and SEO work a little early on. It's not right or wrong. It was just we didn't have the capacity in house to do it well, but we did have the capacity to build up a really strong sales culture. And you know, we have early on, we had three to four sellers who, you know, were sending a thousand emails a week and, you know, mm -hmm. hammering the, hammering the phones. And uh, that was where, so we invested in what we were strong at. Right. And I think probably your background obviously was, was a, a big contributing factor to, to, to going down that path. Right. Sure. I have a lot. I, mean, I have a lot of friends who have startups and have struggled by it's kind of like the grass is always greener, trying to do the, th you know, find that hire the people that 
don't compliment them because mm-hmm. they feel like it makes them more balanced. Mm-hmm. I've always had a different mindset early on. I want people on our team that are just like, you know, or similar to the culture of the few people that drive the business. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean we're all totally identical, but it means that we share a lot of the same philosophy. We have a lot of the same skill sets. And that's for good or bad. You know, we're a little bit of, we were a little bit of bulldogs early on. So, you know, that, that means that certain buyer personas might have been turned off by our aggressiveness. However, you know, we, we were able to operate, it, you know, in a, you know, we, we got along, we built culture, we got really tight, t- tight around what we did. And I, you know, frankly, Colin, I have a point of view that there's a tremendous amount of luck into starting up anything. I don't care. You know, people say I make my own luck. There's, you got to get some really good breaks and people got to help you along the way. You know, so I said that I'd rather, I'd rather build a culture and a team of people that I want to go out to dinner with. I want to be, I want to, you know, I'm willing to have each other's back. We're going to be alongside mm-hmm. our, tra- our skill sets, you know, are going to be, you know, maybe overlap in a lot of ways, but let's, let's forge forward. Now we're in the zone of as we're growing, it's time to start instead of being culture fit, but be more culture add. And that's been something we're going through right now over the last six months is now we're in this zone of it's time to get some people on the team that have some different skill sets that can make us more well-rounded. But I think if we would have done that too early for us, it, you know, we might not have never, we might not have ever gotten off the ground with everybody sort of trying to tug in a different direction. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it's, it's, it's worked out well, but tell me about some of the big challenges early on. Yeah, I, I would probably say there's many, I mean, there's many challenges to starting a company. The easy one to say is cash. <laughs> Without it, you can't yeah. build anything. Yeah. So, you know, how did we get around the cash problem? We decided to sell things before it was ready. We, we, you know, we, we built the product up just enough to be able to show something. And when they said, yes, I remember when we sold the Washington Capitals, our first customer, the product was good enough to demo, but it wasn't good enough to be ready in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking outside in DC and the stadium, uh, the arena in DC was uh, the Verizon center at the time. And I walked outside and I got on the phone with my CTO and I said, okay, well, we, now we got to build this thing because we just got a yes. <laughs> So I think early on iterating and, and being okay, playing small and being small, everybody wants to be so big and be all in one. Forget that focus in dedicate your cash to one thing and then grow as you go. The the second thing that I would say the challenge are is it, it's loneliness. Starting a company is super lonely. I mean, I spent, can't tell you how much time I spent sitting in a Starbucks by myself. I'm so sick of Starbucks. It just, you know, you're, <laughs> You're, you're, you're in your head, you're building PowerPoint decks for investors, you're building PowerPoint decks to sell your product, you're building PowerPoint decks for uh, your business model. You know, so early on, loneliness is tough. Uh, my, my, what got me through it is, uh, you know, I would say it's really like a few things. It would be just having a really strong conviction in what we're doing, a really strong sense of, uh, you know, why I was in it. You know, not purpose, mission, all those things come with time, but I, I knew why I wanted to do what I wanted to do. The, the other thing is I surrounded myself with people that I liked. I, again, I believe early on doing, you know, it's fun to win with people that are your friends and your family. So 
you know, some of our first employees were people who were friends of mine who, you know, they might not have had tech experience. Uh, Roger, our top sales guy had, uh, had worked with me at a prior company and, you know, we were, we were friends, was a great sales guy, uh, worked with, just started to work in technology and, you know, he dropped and came, uh, to start working on this because, you know, I think part of the opportunity, but also part, uh, just being able to work together. So being able to find people that you, recruiting is so critical to a startup and it's so critical to a business. If you are not, you are the recruiter in chief. If you are hiring other people to recruit for you, you are not intimately involved in that process. You are, uh, you know, you, you better have the most amazing technology or concept or, or positioning. But I took my pride early on in being a, you know, recruiting being my primary objective. And I want to get people around me that, you know, made it fun. Awesome. And, and is this your first, uh, first company, your first entrepreneur journey? Yes. Wow. Was it, was it tough to make that leap from, you know, um, having an established career and, and, and starting something on your own? It, it was in so, in so far as I'm a, I love being a part of a team. So for the same reason I just mentioned, when I started, I was by myself. And that kind of solitary confinement of a startup is tough early on. So you know, I would say that was the tough part of stepping aside. The, uh, the easy part was, uh, you know, for the few companies I worked with before, you know, there were, I just I started to realize, and everybody knows, everybody has worked at a company where at a certain point you start to complain about something. Oh, mm. Manager doesn't know this. My boss is a yo-yo, this, that, this, that. You yeah. start to, I got to a point where I realized I need, you know, I can't keep doing that. I need to fix that. Mm. And if I, and that was what made it easy for me was I kind of, I was tired of, um, I was tired of, you know, being upset at night about certain, the way certain things were handled. Uh, now the smart thing to do for anybody out there that's looking to start up and is there's a way to do it. You know, when I left my last company, I went from being a full-time employee to being a consultant. So mm. I left, but I was still connected. Mm -hmm. And I turned my last company, it was the Parisi Speed School, who we're still friends to this day, into the beta test for our first product. And they, uh, they kept me on as an outside salesperson because I still had sales I was working on. So for anybody who thinks you have to quit one job to start mm -hmm. another, I would argue that there's this middle ground of transition that if you're smart about it, you could probably do that. And you don't have to make as harsh of a jump financially. Now, I do believe there is a zone where uh, you know, there's a zone where being half in, half, you know, half in is not good. There's, and you'll know it when you get to it. You'll know it when you, um, you know, you know, for me, I got to a point where I realized that I had a friend tell me I was trying to figure out if I should spend, uh, I had an invoice for a big development enhancement on our product. And it was, you know, I don't know, it was fifteen twenty thousand $20,000. It wasn't, it wasn't insignificant, but mm -hmm. in, it was a big, you know, a big invoice for me. And I had somebody tell me, Sam, you jumped off the cliff, jump. Mm. And I don't know what was about that statement, but it just like, it just snapped, you know, a light bulb off my head that said, 
if I'm really all in, I can't be, I got to just go. Mm-hmm. And at that point I knew, you know, being, being aligned with another company at the same time probably was taking my resources too much time to go all in. And that was a big transition. Right. Yeah. So I think that's great advice. Like you, you can transition out and start whatever it is that you want to start without completely leaving, you know, whatever's paying the bills currently. Um, and do it in a respectable way where like, like you did, you know, where you maybe do part-time and, and then, you know, part-time work on, on your passion or your, uh, your big idea. Um, what, where do you, what are the goals that you guys have? What do you see for one huddle in the next five years? Growth. Yeah. It, it's, it's one of the questions that I'm very sensitive to answer because I take, I take the year, I take our growth in years, you know, in 20, we have to win 2020 to earn the right to win 2021. And then we got to win 2021 to win the right at 2022. Uh, 2020 is throwing a big curveball, you know, towards a lot of people. So we had to level set. We had to um, figure out what is the roadmap if everything goes well, but what's the roadmap if everything doesn't, how do we make sure that we have, you know, uh, as a CEO, your responsibility is to your people. How can I make sure that we're able to, you know, survive the storm? So, uh, for me, the goal of this year is to to continue to grow uh, w- with the goals we had at 2020. You know, we're probably going to come a little bit under expectations that we had for 2020, like a lot of businesses. Yeah. But we're not waving the white flag. Uh, we are investing in our people. We're putting our feet in the ground and we're going to fight through the end of 2020. And then we're going to tackle 2021. I think the, the big, the big picture for us is uh, a successful company to me, isn't one that merges with another. It's not an acquisition. It's not a, it's not an IPO. Those are, those are cool outcomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, a successful company to me is one that uh, equally develops its own people as well as develops the community. And mm-hmm. we focus consistently on if we can make each person that uses our product better, uh, depending on what the reason they're using it is, if we can, you know, as a, as a you know, you're on our platform right now as a user, as a manager, if we can get you to be, if we can impact you to be a little bit of a better coach or a little bit of a better employee, and we can do the same thing in our community, that's what winning looks like. And it just comes down to every play that's right in front of us and I'm a big process guy, so uh, I think that us continuing to chip away at what our process is, is uh, an execute in the process is success, uh, is, is in its own form a, a major success for us as a company. Awesome. And tell me some of the things that you guys kind of pivoted to doing with, you know, trying to help people to kind of prepare to get back to work with the current, you know, COVID situation and, you know, all the people being you know, laid off. Sure. We had, we had a meeting, we held a meeting on March 11th, right when things were starting to go down. And I think we're lucky to be a technology company because we're, we're able to transition to remote work a little easier than most. I think that for, you know, probably a lot of people listening, you're, if you're a part of a company that remote work using Zoom or, you know, conferencing from a distance or uh, leading from a distance or whatever, you know, you might be doing, uh, and communicating, uh, you're already got some some tactics around that that you're that you're strong at. So for us, we held a meeting. We said right out of the gate, 
We're going to get on the phone with every customer and we're going to get on the phone with everybody that's in our sales pipeline. We're going to listen to them. If they are, they're either going to do one or two things. They're going to tell us we can't, we can't pay. We have to cancel. We have to hold, or they're going to tell us we're forging forward. And in both situations, our response is going to be, where can we help? If you're cutting off and laying off, that's a tough decision. We're going to give you free licenses for you to use to help your people. Because at some point, you're going to come back to work. Uh, if you're a company that's in our sales pipeline, and originally you said, we're going to sign on with one. We had a lot of really big brands that were ready to come across the finish line, and they had to pump the brakes. We said, don't pump the brakes. Don't worry about it. Let's just get going. This is the time to help and lean in. You know, so I think I, I compliment our entire team for choosing to lean in. A lot of people did not do that. A lot of, a lot of le bad leadership exposed itself in the last 60 to 90 days, that's fair mm -hmm. to say. Uh, so that was the choice we made. You know, you mentioned the COVID-19 work. Uh, we, we even went so far as to unlock our platform for free for residents in the state of New Jersey. So if you were an unemployed worker or Maybe you were employed, but looking for your next transition, mm -hmm. you could download OneHuddle and use our platform for free to either prepare for your next job. Maybe you want to be a bartender. So you could play a game, play our pack of games on bartending. Maybe you wanted to, maybe you're a manager and you're going to Zoom, but you don't know Zoom. You could play our games on how to run a remote team. So first, we just acted in accordance with our core beliefs and our core values. We said, how can we help? We opened our platform for free. Um, we've had thousands of people across the state of New Jersey and the city of Newark use our platform for everything from acquiring a new skill to even Colin, we had games built on brands that were hiring. So if you were applying mm -hmm. to work at Whole Foods, instead of just walking into the interview cold, if you played our game on Whole Foods, you would walk into the interview more prepared with talking points to win the job. So, you know, I, 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 this moment has taught us a lot about even who we fight for every day, which as this enterprise software, you think your company, your, your clients are companies. Companies aren't our clients. People mm -hmm. are our clients. They just happen to work for a company. And it, we really were able to get centered on that understanding. And, um, you know, we were to this day, you know, every day we're, we're, um, this, like, I would say this moment has taught us an opportunity to be agile and respond quickly that I hope carries over post, uh, you know, post the restart that's happening. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I love that. I mean, helping people prepare to get back to work. I mean, that really shows who you guys are as a company. It's fantastic. Um, we're going to take a quick break to tell you a little bit about what we do here at Monster VoIP. We started Monster VoIP because we were frankly sick and tired of getting gouged on our business phone bill and getting dropped calls. Today we serve over 6,000 customers. We're passionate about saving businesses money and giving them the features that they need for their tech stack today. You can text us at 424-378-6966 to learn more. I'm talking with Sam of One Huddle. Uh, Sam, it's been uh, a pleasure getting to kind of learn about how One Huddle started and and where you guys are today and how much you guys are, you know, kind of giving back to your community and helping before I let you go, uh, tell people where they can find out more about one huddle, how they can, you know, start playing some of these games. What are some of the most popular games on the platform? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, when over the last few weeks, the top games, we had a whole bunch of, we had a whole series of games released on the 30 for thirties on the Jordan doc. So anybody who was watching the Michael Jordan documentary, 
every week we released a game on all the biggest quotes and the biggest takeaways from the show. And it was our top game across every company, uh, you know, especially given the moment because it felt like, I don't know, to me, the Jordan documentary was the highlight <laughs> of my week for a few weeks there. So uh, that, that was, we have a lot of games like that Jordan game. The other, the other hot topic game right now, we released a game on the ACLU's guidance around knowing your rights. Mm. Uh, you know, given this present moment, uh, you know, folks who are peacefully protesting or speaking up, uh, we have a serious game that you can use to um, learn a little bit more about the rights you have when you go out there and you protest and let your voice be heard. So those are probably a few of the, the hot games. If you're if you're interested in learning any more about One Huddle or want to check out the product or or, or uh, connect with us, you can find us at www the number one so one huddle.co www.onehuddle.co awesome and who comes up with all the ideas for some of these games yeah we have a game we have a really awesome uh, game design team uh, in-house who every day they're focused on either you know one of three tracks new games on job skills it could be how to handle objections it could be how to deliver great service they're building games on pop culture because we are firm believers that, you know, work has a lot more to do than just the job you're performing. You know, it's how you connect to each other. I think that a well-rounded salesperson's got to know a lot of stuff about a lot of stuff, not mm-hmm. just the product they sell. So got a lot of really fun games on pop culture. Uh, if you, if you work for Madison square garden, we have a game you play on the city of New York, like the history of the city and the history of, uh, you know, so talking points that you can share. Uh, we also are always adding games that have to do with, uh, you know, different brands uh, and uh, softwares and technologies. So again, given now that the the curve for future of work is being, you know, it's being accelerated, we have all types of games on uh, different software platforms so people can get up to speed quicker. Awesome. Sam, thanks so much for coming on the show today. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, share with your friends, and we're listening for your feedback. The show is all about you. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Monster Chats, presented by Monster Voip, where we share the tools, methods, and best practices that business leaders use to build new connections, strengthen relationships, and impact sales in organizations of all shapes and sizes. If you have any questions from today's show and want to reach us directly, please text your question to 424-378-6966.